0: Donna and I are overwhelmed that you included us in a Christmas gift this year. This has been a wonderful blessing to us. I was talking to one of your elders this morning and and telling telling Joshua that this has been a wonderful wonderful blessing for us to be able to share with this church family repeatedly over the next over the last several months. Uh, to be able to get reacquainted with the congregation and shore up some friendships that we've had for so very long. This has been so very precious to us. And I want to take just a moment before I launch into my sermon to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And thank you for inviting us to preach on a day that you're going to eat. (laughs) It just keeps working out that way. I appreciate Craig. I appreciate Craig taking care of us that way. You know, it's not. Yeah, free food is good. Okay? I learned that preacher class one-on-one in Bible college don't turn down a free meal. Free food is good. But I'll tell you what we really enjoy. We enjoy sitting around the table and getting to, getting to know you, learning about your family, learning about your walk with Jesus Christ. We treasure that. And sometimes during the meals, you might notice that Donna and I will sit in different places and we'll get up and wander around from table to table. And it's just because there's not enough time to get to know everybody as well as we would like to. So I want you to know we really enjoy these. Are you ready for Christmas? That's a common question right now, isn't it? Are you ready for Christmas? What does that usually mean? It means are you keeping up on the traditions? Of course there's the gift giving, but there are other traditions as well. Do you light a tree? And do you set up lights? Maybe you have one of those inflatable snowmen in the yard. Do you, have, you, uh, have, you, have you hung stockings by the chimney with care? What about movies? Are movies a part of your Christmas tradition? The people in Hollywood are hoping that it will be. They've already released several movies for the Christmas season, more yet to come, and some even on Christmas Day. For some of us, it's the classics that are a part of our Christmas tradition. Do you wait for your favorite Christmas movie to come on television? Or maybe, maybe you've bought some DVDs and every year at Christmas time, you put in some of the classics and watch them again. Some of those have been remade for a new generation. How the Grinch Stole Christmas was transformed from animated to live action. And in 1994, the classic Miracle on 34th Street was redone. It was originally in black and white. And it was done in color with a whole new cast and just a little bit of a twist in the story. Still, the basics are the same. Little Susan does not believe in Santa Claus. Her mother remembers how disappointed she was when the things that she believed so strongly in just did not come to be, including Santa Claus. And so she raises little Susan to believe in In Nothing. No room for imagination or fantasy. No allowance for faith. And then Kris Kringle enters their lives. He's an elderly man with a white beard who claims to be Santa Claus. Now, uh, both of the, the black and white and the color movies are a lot of fun, but they go beyond fun. And they pose for us a fundamental question. Does it make sense to believe? In the 1994 version, Richard Attenborough plays the role of Chris Kringle. Elizabeth Perkins plays the role of Dory Walker. And at one point, the two of them have a conversation. And Mr. Pringle excuse me, Mr. Kringle not the potato chip magnet. At one point in the conversation, Mr. Kringle makes a very compelling observation. And I want to share that little clip of the movie with you. Just be yourself. Don't even think about the camera. You'll be just fine. Right. I must confess, I don't quite know why they're making such a fuss about me. Well, this is the holiday season, and you're Santa Claus, right? Too many, yes, but to others, I'm just an old man with a white beard. But you're still the symbol of the season. You think I'm a fraud, don't you? I think fraud is a bit too strong of a word. But you don't believe in me. I believe that Christmas is for children. Well, your daughter doesn't believe in me either. I don't think that there's any harm in not believing in a figure that many do acknowledge to be a fiction. Oh, but there is. I'm not just a whimsical figure who wears a charming suit and affects a jolly demeanor. You know, I... I, I'm a symbol. I'm a symbol of the human ability to be able to suppress the selfish and hateful tendencies that rule the major part of our lives. If you can't believe, if you can't accept anything of faith, then you're doomed for a life dominated by doubt. The producer and the director of the movie... We're not trying to make a statement of faith. They weren't trying to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet they put words into the mouth of Chris Kringle that I think are thought provoking. He said, If you can't believe, you can't accept anything on faith, then you're doomed for a life dominated by doubt. Now, Christmas means many things. For some people, Christmas means presents and food. For some people, it's snowflakes in the air and carols everywhere. But the real essence of Christmas is faith. The real message of Christmas is the virgin birth of Jesus. And it all hinges on that truth that Jesus was born of a virgin, a fact that you can't see, hear, touch, taste, or smell. We accept it by faith. We learn a great deal about faith from Hebrews chapter 11. So I'm going to invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11 and find verse 1. And in just a moment, I'm going to read the first six verses of that for you. The movie Miracle on 34th Street asks the question, does it make sense to believe? And I'm rerouting that question this morning from does it make sense to believe in Santa Claus to does it make sense to believe in the virgin birth of Jesus? By the way, I really believe that Hebrews chapter 11 makes a much stronger case for the movie. And I really probably don't have to sell it all that hard. According to an article in the New York Times, Americans are three times more likely to believe in the virgin birth than they are in evolution. Not only do 91% of Christian Americans believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, but 47%, and this is astounding, 47% of Americans who are not Christians believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Although people may believe in in the virgin birth, we all know that people very often believe in things that just don't make very much sense. And so that brings us back to the question. Does it make sense to believe Let's begin to answer that question from Hebrews chapter 11, starting at verse 1. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken... He was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Verse 1 of this text offers us a very practical definition. Of faith, and so I want to go back. I want to ask you to look at it in your Bible, Hebrews 11:1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. I call that a practical definition because it is one we can use. It's a definition we can get our hands on. We can make sense of it. It is a reasonable definition of faith. And that is important to emphasize because so very often people think that in order to have faith you have to check your brains at the door. To check your brains at the door means that when you enter into the realm of faith you just have to stop thinking. Some people believe that living by faith means abandoning reason, logic, faith and scientific knowledge. Many assume that we must choose between faith and scientific standards. The truth is that you do not have to check your brains at the door in order to follow Jesus Christ. Some of the greatest followers, or excuse me, some of the greatest scientists, some of the greatest scholars in the world have been people of faith. And they have come to their faith through an empirical study of the facts. One such person was C.S. Lewis. He was a literature professor at Oxford for more than 30 years. In his early years, he rejected Christianity and all religion. But he came to be one of the dominant theologians of the 20th century. Another man from academia who began without a faith in Jesus Christ was Josh McDowell. McDowell set out to disprove the claims of Christianity by exploring the records of history. And in the process, he became that the claims about Jesus Christ were true. And today, he is acclaimed as one of the great apologists of the 20th century. Lee Strobel was a legal editor for the Chicago Tribune, and he decided that he would make a two-year study a two-year personal investigation of the historical, scientific and philosophical evidence for Christianity. And today he is one of the most influential Christian writers of our time, having written such works as The Case for Christ, The Case for, for Faith, and The Faith and, and a Case for the Creator. Surveys indicate over and over again that most intelligent people do not reject faith in God. For example, according to an article in Christianity Today, 76% of American physicians believe in God. And 55% of American physicians say that their faith influences Their practice. The evidence is that the greatest minds in the world cannot disprove God. Most of them are not willing to completely discount the existence of God. Therefore, the idea that it's necessary to check your brains at the door in order to be a Christian simply is not true. God's own definition of faith is very far from that idea. I want to take you one more time. I want to take you back to verse 1 of Hebrews 11. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. For right now I want to take you to the second part of that. I want to focus on those words certain of what we do not see. One of the complaints that people have who do not believe in the virgin birth is that they have never experienced anything like that. They've never actually seen it for themselves. And because it's not a part of their personal experience, they cannot believe it. They say the odds are just against it. Lee Strobel applies that same logic in his book, The Case for Faith. He suggests that we consider a lottery drawing. So I went to the Internet and I looked up the results of the Hoosier lottery for last Wednesday. And I brought with me the numbers. Here they are. The numbers for last Wednesday's drawing of the Hoosier lotto. Seven. Eight. Nine. I didn't make that up. What are the odds? Seven, eight, nine. Twenty-four. 32, Thirty-four. Thirty-four. Now, if we apply the same rationale that the skeptics apply to the virgin birth, we would not believe that those are actually the numbers. First of all, consider the source. I went to the Internet. A notoriously unreliable source for information. More importantly, the odds are just very simply against it. In fact, the state of Indiana tells us openly the odds of those numbers being drawn last Wednesday are 12 million to 1. The odds are just against it. And yet nobody disputes it. We accept the first-hand report of the eyewitness of the drawing, who then posted the numbers on the internet. And we are certain of what we do not see. We accepted the news on faith. We accept that it is reasonable to believe our current news reports. We accept that it is reasonable reasonable to believe the records of history on faith on faith because we do not see, we do not hear, we do not taste, we do not touch, we do not smell. And in the same way, it is reasonable to accept the virgin birth of Jesus Christ and the other claims of Scripture by faith. Faith is reasonable. Now, faith is only reasonable if it is thought out genuine faith belongs to the realm of the mature thinker. We have to go far beyond the little girl who brought home a piece of paper from Sunday school. And she gave it to her mom and she told her mom, my teacher told me that I made the most unusual Christmas picture she'd ever seen. So mom looked at it and there was an airplane. And in the back of the airplane, there were some people. And so she said, "Oh what up here at the top? What, what is this?" And the little girl said, "Mom, that's the flight to Egypt." And her mom looked at it and said, "Well, what about this angry-looking man up in the front of the plane?" Well, that's Pontius. the pilot." So mom looks on down below the, fly, the, the plane flying over a little stable and, and she says, okay, now help me with this because I, I, and this looks like Mary, this looks like Joseph, this looks like J- the baby Jesus, but there's, there's a great big man in the background. Who is that? Oh, she rolled her eyes. Mom, that's round John Virgin. <laughs> Our faith... Has to be mature. Our thinking has to be mature. Our thinking and our faith are reasonable. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. This reasonable faith is also a very relevant faith. Ravi Zacharias, in his book, Questions I Would Ask God, writes about a conversation that Larry King had. He tells that he very often quotes a conversation. Larry King, things got turned around. The television interviewer was interviewed. And the interviewer asked Mr. King, if you could interview any person from all of history, who would it be? And Larry King I would like, said, I would like to interview Jesus Christ. And the interviewer took it another step and he said, what one question would you most like to ask him? And Larry King said, I would like to ask him if he was indeed virgin born. The answer to that question would define history for me. Mr. Zacharias went on to write that he contacted a friend who was also a friend of Larry King to ask permission to use the quote. Mr. King not only gave him permission, but he sent on this, tell them that I said that, not being facetious. Larry King recognized the relevance of the virgin birth. And he really was correct. The virgin birth Of Jesus Christ does define history it's also the linchpin to the resurrection the virgin birth is a miracle it's the only way it can happen the only way that the virgin birth can happen is a miracle and the only way that the resurrection from the dead can happen is that it must be a miracle as we've already seen honest science cannot refute the miracles that are recorded in the Bible there is overwhelming evidence for the record of the Bible, for the miracles that it records, and especially, especially overwhelming historical evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There is better evidence that Jesus rose from the dead than we have for the lottery numbers from last Wednesday's drawing. The bottom line of this is that it is more reasonable to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his virgin birth than there is to deny them. And right now right now we need to be sharing that message because we live in a world that is full of hay of hope. Excuse me, I've got it backwards. We live in a world that is full of faith Short on hope. Because the faith is so misplaced. I saw an, a, a, an example of that in the newspaper this morning. I was reading an article about those terrible, terrible shootings that happened Friday in Connecticut. And one of the questions that was being asked is, how do parents reassure their children What does a parent say to a child? Whether it's in the state of Connecticut or somewhere on the New England coast or right here in the heartland of America. When your children are afraid, when your children are disturbed by what they hear and see on the television and what their friends talk about on the playground, how do you reassure them? And here's the best thing that the experts who contributed to the article could come up with. Spend time with them, hold them close, and assure them that they are loved, that they are safe, and they will be safe. That's great faith, isn't it? Assure them that they will be safe in their school. We have wonderful assurances. We have sign-in procedures. And we have lanyards with photo ID cards. And we trust those to keep our children safe. When really, that's an unreasonable faith. Friday demonstrated How unreasonable that faith is. If you want to assure your children, if you want your children to experience a genuine sense of safety and security, demonstrate by the way you live and reassure them with your words that they are safe in the arms of Jesus Christ. And repeat to them the words of Jesus, Do not fear those who would kill the body. Because we have a hope in a resurrection. We have a hope of eternal life. We have a hope that no matter what happens to us here, if we are faithfully following Jesus Christ, we have an eternal home. Where there are no more shootings. Where there is no more terror or terrorism. Where there is no more fear. No pain or suffering. That is a reasonable and relevant faith. And it is a necessary faith. I want to take you back to verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 11 where we read, without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and rewards those who earnestly seek Him. I want to ask you to reflect on something for just a moment as we consider that. Think about the changes that you've seen in the last, what, maybe two, three years, something like that. Changes that we've seen in the fast food restaurant industry. Taco Bell has added breakfast and coffee to the menu. Pizza Hut is now delivering new kinds of pasta. KFC brought back roasted chicken. All of that in an effort to give us what we want. That's the first rule of marketing. Give the customer what the customer wants. But God has a different approach. God gives us what we need. He gave us His Son. He gave us His Savior. As we approach the celebration of the birth of Jesus, we are celebrating the gift. Now, embedded in the definition of a gift is that it is not earned. Our salvation cannot be earned by doing good deeds or changing our bad habits or praying enough. Our salvation comes by faith. Many of you are familiar with Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. That say, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Now, what does that tell us? That tells us that faith is necessary, and I have a wonderful illustration of how important and how necessary that faith is. But it is necessary to go past it because we had the program by our children, and so those two those two pages just come right out of the sermon. (laughs) Faith is necessary. Faith is our anchor. Sometimes people come to faith in Jesus Christ and they think that all is that is necessary is to repent. They come to Jesus Christ and they think all they need to do is be baptized. They come to Jesus Christ and think all they need to do is say their prayers at night and then they will stand on the award platform and they will bask in the glory of their reward. Sometimes as I listen to Christians, I get the idea that they believe that faith is the goal. But faith is not the goal. goal, Faith is only the beginning. I want to take you back to Hebrews chapter 11 again. I want to take you to verse 6 again. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists. So there we've got the faith and the believing. That's all good. And that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Now look at that in your Bible. Look at that carefully. Who gets the reward? Read it all the way through. Does it say that those who get the reward are those who have faith? No. Faith is necessary to please God. Faith is essential, but we've already seen that, haven't we? Who gets the reward? Who stands on the platform? Who gets the medal? Who wears the crown of life? It is those who earnestly seek Him. Now, please do not get this mixed up. This does not say... God rewards those who pray. It doesn't say God rewards those who help their neighbor or attend church. It doesn't even say God rewards those who have faith. It says God rewards those who earnestly seek Him. This is an extreme adventure. Most of us know people who are thrill-seekers. We know people who race on the speedway. We know people that jump out of airplanes. We know people that climb tall mountains. And there's some adventure to that. One mistake. One misstep. One lapse in concentration and you die. But when we're talking about seeking Jesus Christ, we're talking about extreme, extreme adventure. It isn't as simple as life and death. When we're talking about genuinely, earnestly seeking Jesus Christ, we're talking about eternal life and eternal death. If you just sit and wait, you will get what comes to you. If you want God, you're going to have to go after Him. Now, please don't misread this. It is not as though God's playing hide or seek from us. God is not constantly one step ahead of us, just teasing us. God's not playing a game. Just the opposite is true. God is stationary. God is solid. Throughout the Old Testament, God is described as a rock. He's immovable. And in that sense, we must go to him. I'd like to take that Old Testament description just a little farther and combine it with what we learned in Hebrews eleven six, And I want to say that if you want God, you are going to have to do some spiritually high adventure climbing in order to reach Him. Now, we preachers have some responsibility in the distorted picture that many people have of faith. We have, we have, we have portrayed Jesus as being close by. Jesus is knocking. He's within easy reach. He's accessible. All we have to do is open the door and Jesus will come in and he will dine with us and we will sit around and we will, stop, we will swap stories until we're old and gray. Now, we accurately quote Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. We get the first part of that. Jesus does say that He stands at the door. Jesus does say that He is knocking. Jesus says that if we will open the door, He will enter and He will eat with us. But time and time and time again, through the record of the Gospels, Jesus says to us, follow Me. The adventure is in following Jesus. The adventure for you might be inviting a neighbor into your home for a meal so that you have the opportunity to share your faith with someone else. The adventure for you might be fasting one day a week to devote yourself to prayer. The adventure for you might be setting aside 30 minutes a day, every day, to study your Bible so that you have a guidebook as you earnestly seek Jesus Christ. Having faith doesn't mean that you'll always have your bills paid. Having faith doesn't mean that all of your illnesses will be healed. Having faith doesn't mean that all of your relationships are going to be rosy. Faith is pursuing God. No matter how rocky the terrain, no matter how frightening the height, and no matter what it might cost, faith is earnestly seeking your God. So do you feel like God is distant? If you feel like God is distant, go find Him. Do you feel that God doesn't hear you when you pray? Then tell Him about that. Do you feel that God doesn't care about you? Then get close enough to Him to understand who He is. Do you feel like God is holding out on you? Then go after the reward that He promises. He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. That's the challenge, that is the adventure to walk where there is no path, to reach where there is no handhold, to leap when you cannot see the other side. That is the adventure of following Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit summarized it this way. At 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, we live by faith, not by sight. And that brings me back to Mr. Kringle. His statement was this. If you can't believe, you can't accept anything by faith, then you're doomed for a life dominated by doubt. Maybe what we have there are two different ways of saying the same thing. We live by faith, not by sight. Or we live by faith, not by doubt. So I have a question for you this morning. How are you living? Are you living by what you see? Or are you earnestly seeking what is unseen? Are you on the great adventure of following Jesus Christ? Or are you simply sitting and waiting for something to happen? That's the question. So here's the invitation. I want to invite you to talk to me today. We're going to have lots of time at our meal following the service. Come and find me. And let's talk today about what it would mean for you to genuinely live by faith and not be doomed to a life of doubt. Your elders are also here this morning. I would love to spend a few minutes with you today, sitting down, sharing with you from God's Word how you can join us as we follow Jesus Christ, as we earnestly seek God together. I want to lead us in a prayer. Father in heaven, I'm so very, very grateful for this season of the year. For this time when we celebrate the birth of Jesus. For this time when we are reminded of Your love and Your grace. For this time that we, remind, we are reminded of what our salvation cost You. I ask, Father, that you will use the words of the book of Hebrews to spur us, to motivate us, to guide us and direct us this week. I ask, Father, that you will open opportunities for us to share the love that we have for your son Jesus and the love that he has for us. Give us an opportunity to do that this week. And I ask, Father, That because we've gathered here together, we've sung together, we've prayed together, we've looked into your word together. Use all of those motivations and challenges and insights and inspirations. Use all of that to draw us closer to you as we earnestly seek your face. And I ask that you will do this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we stand for one last song this morning.